Welcome to the podcast series, Talking Success, connecting the global fintech community. Today, we have a recording of our webinar, How to Increase Transaction Volumes and Retain Your Merchants in a Downturn. Please meet our hosts, Darren Franks, CEO and founder of Talent in the Cloud, Andreas Dimleitner, co-founder of Peach Payments, and Simon Hardy, founder and CEO of Indexable. Um, I'll start with me because I'm, I'm talking. Um, so I'm Darren, um, the CEO of uh, Talent in the Cloud. Uh, I spent the last 20 plus years in exec staffing, uh, the last four and a half years focusing on the fintech sector, predominantly in emerging markets and more specifically in Africa. Um, I'm based in Cape Town and um, that's, that's kind of me. Uh, you've probably seen me all on, on social media at some point. Um, next, uh, we have uh, and, uh, Andreas. I'm, I'm going to see if I can get the pronunciation right, okay, because I haven't asked you. So let, let, let me see and feel free to correct me. Uh, we have uh, uh, Andreas Dimleitner. Oh, I was so curious. It was very good, though. Okay, thank you. Uh, Andreas is the, uh, the co-founder of Peach Payments. He's also based here in, uh, in, in Cape Town. Uh, he's German, as you could probably guess from, uh, from his name and from his accent. Uh, spent 24 years in tech, uh, again, working across Europe, Silicon Valley, and uh, I think since 2008 in, in, in South Africa. And then finally, we have uh, Simon, Simon Hardy. Simon is the CEO and founder of Findexable. Um, if you don't know who Findexable are, I, I would certainly recommend uh, having a quick Google. Uh, Findexable, uh, things from some great things in the sector. And uh, my notes on Simon have just disappeared. Uh, but he's a great guy. And maybe Simon, actually, can you introduce yourself and uh, give us a couple of, of words? Because I've very, lost my notes. Very happy to, Darren. Thank you very much. Thanks for the opportunity today. Uh, so Findexable is a, a, data, a data company. Uh, we are building, um, it, we're in the sort of beta stages of building a global index of, of fintech businesses, um, both for the point of view of trying to kind of ident- you know, help, help uh, investors, institutions uh, stay on track of some of the new companies that are coming into the space, um, but ultimately, as we as we build out the index to uh, sort of to track in just to track how the how the marketplace is evolving, uh, and what is and, and, and ultimately our sort of goal will be over the next year or so will be to understand you know what are the impact of some of these some of these fintech companies, particularly in places like Africa, where they obviously you know are playing a, a core role in uh, financial inclusion, um, in uh, diversity, and helping helping economic and business business. Uh, growth in, in emerging regions. So uh, um, happy to talk um, more about that yeah, during the course of, of this morning and, and, and what, we're, what we're seeing from, uh, from what's happening currently at the moment in terms of its impact on the marketplace. Thanks, Darren. Great, thank you. Uh, Andreas, would, would you like to, uh, sorry, I, I sort of introduced yourself. I'm, I'm sure you've, uh, you've got some other words. Anything else you'd like to add? While you're still looking for the notes. <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> yes, something like that. <laughs> it, it was almost complete. But I'll, I'll use the opportunity to introduce Peach Payments to um, the people who might not know it. Um, I don't know um, where all the listeners um, are dialing in from, um, maybe from, from Europe as well in other geographies. So Peach Payments is an online payment service provider um, focused on Africa. We're based in Cape Town. Um, and um, have by now moved into um, East Africa and uh, Mauritius as well. Um, and I'm, I'm one of the founders, um, ha- having um, led the business development um, activities of, of the companies um, so far. Great. Thank you very much. 
So a, a quick overview of the agenda for this morning. Um, I'm just going to talk through the, uh, the six, weeks, six week series, uh, what, what topics are up and coming. Um, then we're going to go through the state of play of the, of the global payments industry, really where we are today, uh, or as close to it as possible. Um, we're going to spend a bit of time talking about what competitors are doing. So what other PSPs and payments companies and perhaps other fintechs are doing uh, in, in, in this current climate. Um, and then we're going to get on to the, the real crux of, of, of this uh, workshop, which is how can we increase or how can you increase um, transaction volumes for your, for your fintech, for your payments business? And then really, how can you retain your merchants? And that's really where the focus is going to be. But we wanted to uh, sort, of have, sort of phrase this and uh, talk, talk a little bit about sort of the market. So as I, as I mentioned, over the next six weeks, we're going to be running uh, a series of webinars, uh, obviously the first one that we're on today, followed up next Tuesday um, with Piotr Pietzak from um, Opera Software over in uh, Poland. Uh, Piotr's the director of FinTech products. Uh, Opera doing some amazing things across, uh, A, across the continent, but B, uh, certainly across Europe as well. And we're gonna be talking about how we can improve, how we can take this time to improve product offerings and services to, uh, to customers and to merchants. Um, we're then joined in our third one by, uh, by Nick Small. Uh, so Nick is the uh, Managing Director of Apis Partners, a private equity firm based in London, uh, who have a, a portfolio of a number of fintechs uh, across the continent. And we're going to be talking about how to remain in control of your payments business as well. Uh, then we're talking about a game plan, uh, which is the, the, fourth, uh, the fourth episode, um, and that's really how to ready the business. And uh, I think all of us are hopefully optimistic about uh, you, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel. But what can we do in order to ready the business now for when the upturn is, is, is upon us? Um, on the fifth one, which is obviously a subject close to my heart, uh, which is how to secure your most valuable assets, so your team, talking about human resources, how to ensure they're engaged during these very sort of turbulent and uh, I hate to use this word because everyone's using it, but unprecedented times. And lastly, we're going to be talking about resilience and uh, how to build a resilient team and a resilient culture. Uh, we actually with, with my coach, uh, George Anderson. Um, George is, is based in the UK and uh, he's been a coach of mine for about a year or so. Uh, and he's offered to, to come on and talk to us about uh, building resilience. So that's the, that's the series. Uh, again, when we follow up uh, with, with an email, post this episode, we'll, we'll send you links to uh, the various different topics that you're free to subscribe to. So uh, we're going to start off by talking about uh, where the global payments in industry is today. And they don't want to harp on too much about doom and gloom. Uh, we really want these uh, this series to be about positive thinking. But I think it's really important that we do have a bit of a reality check of, of where we are. Um, you know, there's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of fear. Um, people are in sort of crisis management mode and, and, and sort of moving into survival probably in survival rather than growth stages. So things, things have got to change. Um, McKinsey's, I, I don't know if anyone read a McKinsey's report that was uh, published, I think it was last week. Um, again, some, some pretty, um, pretty damning figures here. I mean, as Simon, Andreas, we, we, we spoke about these albeit separately uh, over the last couple of days. Yeah. And I think there was a, there was a couple here and uh, Andreas, we, we, you mentioned one that uh, our friends over at Yoko uh, produced in, in terms of transaction volumes. Do you just want to talk about that for a moment? Uh, well, our friends at Yoko um, published some figures in a fairly transparent way, also just to highlight how badly affected SMEs are, especially in the physical point of sales acceptance space. Um, mm. So, um, in the days um, just um, before um, South Africa, I understand that all lockdown um, 
terms are different per country. So when, when South Africa went into lockdown, the first days after the announcement um, actually triggered a spike in physical um, point of sales acceptance. Um, everyone was rushing to the stores um, and it was, was about a 30% spike. And mm -hmm. then the first days um, within the lockdown were actually um, a 90% um, decrease in number of transactions. Quite obviously, um, the restaurants or service providers like hair salons um, are completely prevented from doing business right now. It's, it's an interesting thing as well. And obviously, as you said, you know, the, the lockdowns mean different things in different countries, but certainly here in South Africa, what we've seen is even electronics and consumer, consumer goods other than essential items as defined by the government, um, has been completely wiped off. I mean, there, there is just no market. So transaction volumes have gone down, you know, significantly. And I think one, one of the, the biggest takeaways from this slide or, or certainly from, from what McKinsey said was, you know, a potential 200, uh, $210 billion loss in revenue uh, in 2020. I mean, that's just colossal. Yeah. Um, yeah. Simon, from, from other markets, what, what, what have you seen? Is it, do you have any, well, any yeah, comparable? It, yeah, it is, com it is comparable. Um, I think what's really interesting, unfortunately, um, once again, is this kind of north, I mean, you can say north-south, but I mean, arguably it's, it's, uh, it's parts of Western Europe, particularly the UK, um, uh, Germany, the US, um, you know, whether, whether or Netherlands possibly also, you know, whether there are quite strong uh, e-commerce markets and obviously parts of Asia, I should add, you know, China and Southeast Asia, you know, have strong kind of digital, you know, strong established digital economies versus, versus those places that, 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 that don't have, you know, I mean, even... Even places like Italy and Spain, you know, the digital economy is 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 is, is much less developed, um, and I think this is this is this is the challenge. So, I think if you're in a if you're in a market that um, has gone down a digital path where e-commerce has really has really been something that's that's, that's taken off, um, you know, you arguably are living you know living a life which isn't that dissimilar, you know, apart from obviously being able to leave the house, uh, isn't that dissimilar from from uh, you know pre uh, pre crisis, um, so you know in answer to your question, Darren, you know in places like the US, um, as I say, parts of Western Europe where I am today in Israel, um, you know the the kind of there's been a massive drop off, obviously, in anything that requires a physical transaction. But where there are you know where there are an ability, whether you know where the digital channels are are uh, are running, you know, they see massive spikes. So you know with the exception of the supermarkets in the UK. I think, I think UK supermarkets have seen sort of 80, 90, some cases 100% increases in traffic over the, over the period of, uh, of March and, and sort of the, the first few days of, of April. Um, but there, but you know, places like places even even like Italy have seen um, you know e-commerce e sites you know with with you know doubling and tripling of, of, of volumes. So I think the long and the short of it ultimately is that you know, whichever industry you're in, whether it's you know whether it's in uh, you know I would say, sort of, you know, frontline retail banking, uh, or or, you know, or general retail. I mean, this is going to create, you know, a massive, you know, a massive. You know, going back to the theme of today, a massive opportunity for for companies that are ready to help their 
help their customers go go digital because uh, you know whatever whatever the outcome over the next few months and it is clearly going to be there is clearly going to be some pain uh, possibly too much of it particularly in emerging markets you know i think any any organization that's 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 got technology at its heart what, what they're now calling digital lifelines and can help their customers with that with that urgent transition are going to be in a really strong place absolutely and uh I... We saw this from again. I haven't, I haven't taken this whole presentation from McKinsey's, I promise. But uh, they, they were sending some interesting stats. And, uh, no, well, no. I, I think as long as we give them a mention, they'll be fine. But uh, if we compare sort of what's going on at the moment, um, and this was estimated, I think this was estimated for, for March, and uh, you know, who, who knows what's going to happen in the next couple of months. But comparing that to the global financial crisis in 2008, 2009, um, you know, you can see sort of the uh, sort of again the comparable lines, um, which doesn't re read for for, for for great reading. But uh, anyway, we, I think we've we focused or we, we've spoken about the negatives. Um, there's just one more thing I wanted to include, which is the emotive side. And I think this is, you know, all of these things that are happening in the sector but or in the industry or on the planet. But what does this mean for, for you as an individual, for us as, uh, as people and, and teams? Uh, you know, ultimately, stress has, has increased, whether that be work stress, whether that be family stress. I know, you know, my, my, my wife's trying to homeschool, you know, two kids who, you know, really don't want to be schooled, uh, full stop. And uh, that's obviously increasing a lot of stress within the house. Um, I've obviously got stresses within, within the business. You know, people are now talking about retrenchments or, uh, you know, making redundancies. Uh, you know, that's uh, it's a horrible thing for anyone to have to do or any business to have to do. Um, but 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 more about yourself. Uh, you know, there is a potential that people could lose their jobs over this. I mean, that, that's the harsh reality. Uh, winding down the businesses, you know, I speak to founders and CEOs, you know, all day long and pe people are genuinely worried. You know, they've spent a lot of blood, sweat and tears building up businesses and for, for something like this to come along through no fault of anyone's and all of a sudden the, the carpet is literally pulled from, from underneath them. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, again, don't want to harp on too much about this, but I, th I think it's, it's important that we're cognizant that, you know, there are some serious and significant consequences of all of these things happening. Um, I probably don't need to say it because I, th I think everyone can uh, derive from that what, uh, what they feel. But, uh, you know, this is, a, this is a real problem. And I, I do, and again, Simon and uh, Andreas and I, we were having this conversation a bit separately. But what we feel now is that perhaps now's not the time to be competing with each other. Perhaps now's the time as a, as a sector, as an industry, to really pull together and ensure that we are minimizing the amount of retrenchments that need to be made, yeah. uh, especially here in the emerging markets. You know, we, we, we're trying to collaborate wherever we can. Of course, you know, we've all got our own mouths to feed and our families and our staff and, and our partners. But, um, you know, can we in some way, shape or form collaborate and, and make this a little less painful for everyone that's involved in the sector? And obviously that cascades down, that cascades down to, to merchants that cascades to partners, um, you know, the, the whole, again, you know, sort of ecosystem around fintech and payments, how can we try as a, as a, as a community? And I think that's what we are. I know we, we you know, there's, there's lots of people on, the, on this call, I can see by the names who are, you know, competitors of some sorts and some description, but, um, you know, is, is there a way we can just put that to the side just, just, just for a couple of months um, and see whether we can help each other pull through? Quite so. 
So let's move on to some of the positive side. And um, so that, that's all the negative bit done. Um, we, we can now sort of, you know, hopefully raise some smiles and um, start talking about some of the real actionable things we can take away, hopefully from, from this session. Um, and even if you don't take away something that, that, that you can implement straight away, hopefully it's thought provoking. And, uh, you know, you can use some of these ideas when you're having brainstorms with the rest of your business and rest of your teams. So let's talk about some of the positives. Um, so we, we, we've got triple digit growth in, in non-travel uh, items. This is a global view, by the way. This is not specific to any particular region or any particular country. Um, I, I, I mentioned here SaaS businesses such as Zoom um, have experienced exponential growth. And uh, Andreas pulled me up on that one. And um, I, Andreas, do, do, do you want to talk a, a little bit about that? Because we said, yeah, that, that, that's fine for you know, the US or Europe where there is kind of a, a SaaS industry, but here in, on the continent, there really isn't one. So is, is, have you seen any sectors that have experienced sort of growth in the last few weeks or what, what's, what's your view on that? Again, I think that's something that we have to differentiate by, by country. And it's also very specific to um, how the lockdown is implemented and what is still considered essential services. Obviously, everything um, in South Africa now, and just to, to um, address it from this point of view, um, everything that is essential services is up. Um, and yes, as we discussed um, in the last couple of days, um, that's not necessarily what we're seeing as software as a services because that's a fairly small segment in um, in South Africa. It's everything related to food delivery um, in a nutshell. There's also some other tech areas like um, telecommunications, everything that's related to working from home um, that's um, obviously um, booming and experienced um, um, an unprecedented run. So that's what we're seeing um, in the short term. Um, I'm, I'm hoping for um, not just negative effects. Um, I'm also hoping for um, significant positive long-term effects um, for specific segments, including um, um, a shift in consumer behavior um, to online ordering um, in general or taking care of daily um, aspects and tasks um, remotely. Um, I do think we'll see that even though um, it's a bit early to recognize, um, but in the long term, um, some segments um, will definitely benefit from that shift in behavior. Yeah, Darren, I mean, I'd, I'd add to you, I mean, just your previous slide, but, you know, about the, the, the pain of this, and not to add to the pain, but, you know, one, you know, there are, there are, there are some, this is creating some unprecedented challenges. But I think it's also, you know, in terms of how one, one thinks about, you know, companies and the way we manage our own businesses um, and the way we manage our own, manage and motivate our teams, you know, there are, there are some clear opportunities here to, you know, to kind of you know, actually make this transition that, you know, that one doesn't need to be in the office five, five days a week. You know, it's actually inefficient. I think, you know, I think reading some of the, some of the, um, Articles in the Financial Times over the last week or so, you know, people are writing in and saying, actually, this is this is forcing their, their them or their bosses to you know, accept that people can can work from home, and actually making them realise that that events don't necessarily need to happen in person. That meetings meetings can be as effective uh, virtually, 
and that there are tools out there. And as a, as a business, we use something called Monday.com um, to manage, you know, to manage our, our team, which is all remote, spread across the world. Uh, and there are, you know, there are there are sort of real opportunities, you know, because of because the digital technology is is available. Uh, there are real opportunities to to make it you know that much easier to to manage teams or motivate teams in you know in in remote locations uh, or in even in even within the same city with people working from home so i do think this is a this is a you know it's not it's more than it's more than just spin that there are some there are tremendous opportunities to be gained here both from a kind of human perspective but also andreas as you rightly say from a commercial and business perspective it was interesting. I, I saw something yesterday, Simon, um, and I, I think this was again on, on the US. And I've just got it in front of me here. Um, mm. The fast, the top hundred fastest growing categories in March oh, yeah. 2020. Right. Yeah. Um, so as, as you can imagine, number one was disposable gloves, um, but um, <laughs> amazingly, number two was bread machines. A 652% increase of orders yeah. on bread machines, um, followed by a, a few sort of uh, you know cough and cold remedies and soups and what have you number eight um which which it's kind of threw me a little bit was weight training so a 307 percent increase of purchases <laughs> of weight training equipment um yep. it, was, it was quite fascinating so i think there are certainly some some positives and i, th I think you're right you know well, what is the world going to look like um you know post this crisis happening uh, sort of finishing um you know are businesses now going to be adopting more of a work from home strategy are they going to relax i know certainly in, in south africa um it, it was almost frowned upon um you know to, to have this sort of work from home it was a, a little bit sort right. of old, old school mentality um it's the same in kenya same i think in most parts of the continent um and i just wonder whether this is going to give business owners a bit more um confidence that actually things can happen and you know i think if we can all come out of this positively hopefully we can um then you know is there a need to have these expensive offices and uh you know expensive uh you know setups that that, that we've all gone and we we've all had because that was just the thing you know you start the business you get an office you have hire people they have to be within the local area um but as yeah we're sort of seeing now hey what the world is literally your oyster you can have people working anywhere if you've got a team in cape town but they're not sitting physically in your office but they're in other parts of uh of the city then they can be in other parts of the world it makes no difference Absolutely. so i think we're going to see a big shift and i think we're going to see a positive shift there as well um well, one other thing to just focus on on, on this one slide was again focusing on europe it's very difficult to get data on, on, on you know in africa but um more more than a 50 percent decline in atm withdrawals now obviously that's because people aren't going out i get that um but do you think simon again probably question for you do you think that that is a clear sign that consumers are starting to move away from oh. cash or what, what, what's your view on that uh, definitely. I mean, obviously, you know, obviously, there's this, you know, there's no, there's no physical commerce currently in, in many, many countries. So, you know, that's that's one reason. So, you know, presumably those those numbers will rebound to some degree. But I think that you know the the what's very interesting, you know, certainly in uh, Western Europe, uh, even in India, actually, recently, you know, there's there's been there's been you know clear messaging around you know around getting people to think about cash as as something that's just not very healthy to be using above and beyond. The, the the commercial the convenience benefits you know it, you know passing notes around that have been touched by you know we don't need to go into the numbers but uh, you know from, that have been passed from person to person to person uh, there's just there's just less you know it, it's just you know it, it, there's the, the mess the messaging around health and hygiene apart from anything else is going to push people away from 
from from cash. And and I think again, coming back to the whole to the whole merchant thing, uh, the whole sort of merchant you know merchant payments industry rather. Um, you know, I think again, you know, merchants that can think about you know think about digital in terms of remote. But when it comes to to physical commerce, think about you know think about the sort of the, you know the the, the, the opportunity to, to do stuff that's contactless. Um, you know, I think that I think that's it's definitely an opportunity um, because of the because of the health implications of of the virus and people becoming quite aware of uh, of contact. Um, and it's you know, and I think you know, it's an opportunity for us all for all of us in the marketplace to say, well, actually, you know, we've been saying that for a long time that cash is inefficient. It's now it's now also unhealthy. So let's let's find you know, let's collectively find solutions um, that that move the market you know towards you know digital remote contact digital and contactless payments. So so you know, I'm sure the ATM volumes will, will bounce back to some degree. But uh, again, I, you know, I think this is going to be the beginning of a of a trend which will actually see uh, cash, you know, move, you know, become become far less popular. And, and Andreas, how do you think that will um, that will impact life here in South Africa or in East Africa as well? Obviously, we we've got M-Pesa, which is uh, obviously run in uh, in Kenya, and that's you know that, that, that's fueling you know cashless economy. But uh, how do you think that's going to impact here, where mobile payments uh, is somewhat in its infancy? Well, well, actually, right now, I'm also convinced that um, withdrawals at ATMs are down because people are not allowed to be out in the streets. So they can't even get to the ATMs um, that easily anymore. Um, but but I, I fully agree. Um, so everything um, that was um, still slowly moving towards digital process, and that's that's even... Um, beyond just the payment and cash aspect, aspect. Um, everything that was going um, digital, mm -hmm. um, I think, will be accelerated. Mm -hmm. um, um, and it's not just a hygiene um, point of view. It's just being more flexible. Um, this phase where people are forced to work remotely, to do business remotely, to transact remotely, um, will um, just help accelerate processes that um, are slowed down by consumer adoption um, and some inertia in, in organizations that are very natural. Um, but once it has worked, because um, it worked in a, a situation where um, there was no other option, um, those barriers of entries and hurdles of adoption are much more easily overcome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I, I, again, you know, Darren, I think you, your point is very well made with regard to, you know, this, 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 this point of us coming together. I mean, the, you know, the challenge of, the challenge of um, digital pay, or, or the challenge of, of payment acceptance, of new payment, new payment method acceptance has always been this sort of virtuous circle. You know, if there's not a, if there's not enough people accepting it, not enough merchants accepting a, a method, no matter how innovative, innovative it is, it's not going to go anywhere. So hopefully this, you know, this moment, you know, to, to Andreas, to your point, in, in terms of acceleration, hopefully this moment can be a way that it kind of forces a rethink 
you know, across the value chain of 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 merchants of merchant of merchant payments, um, to, to to come up with come up with joint solutions, whether that's on a, a local, a national, a regional basis, you know, that's going to drive and accelerate this 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 push because clearly clearly it's needed. You know, we've all been saying for a long time how in a, how in a, inefficient and costly it is to manage cash. Um, but hopefully this is a moment where we can kind of say, okay, now it's time to, it's time to push the reset button. And as a marketplace or, or as marketplaces, you know, we need to think about, you know, what is going to be, you know, the strategy for accepting payments you know, into the future. Great. Thank you. Uh, we've actually got a question from, uh, from, from Glenn. How's it, Glenn? Um, uh, probably one for, for you, Andreas, if, if I may. So uh, Glenn's asked, in terms of remote ordering in South Africa, how do you see the increased costs to accept online-based payments impacting adoption by retailers? And do you think uh, you will see a scenario where ordering takes place online, but payment takes place at delivery via mobile payment units, hence uh, a lower cost to the merchant? Um, I, I agree that um, merchants are still hesitant about um, the online channel to some extent with a related cost. Um, to be honest, um, this phase right now is accelerating all the efforts we are seeing from businesses that are primarily um, active um, in the physical space to intensify their online activities because the as soon as the lockdown restrictions might be loosened up, um, remote business might be the only chance to um, catch up on, on necessary business, um, to be honest. Um, the slightly higher cost in payment acceptance um, is a consideration. Um, that's also something that where um, the regulators might um, actually have a job to do to then consider um, whether they want to help in that re respect. Um, it's something that the whole ecosystem would um, most likely benefit from. Um, and only consider a premium that is justified in terms of risk um, and not necessarily driven by other factors. Great, thank you. Uh, Simon, uh, uh, probably the same sort of question to, to you, obviously maybe not in Europe, but in some of the other emerging markets, so maybe South America or, you know, we, we look at India, Pakistan um, and other parts of Asia. Do, do, do you think that's um, uh, an issue as well? Do you think people are going to start looking at that? Are merchants still going to be sort of cost, um, cost sensitive? Well, I think I'm, I'm sure. You know, I'm, you know, I think if, if one takes the view, um, which I think we have to, that you know, emerging markets in general are going to be much harder hit by the outcome of this than than, than Western regions, you know, for a number of reasons, but mainly because because you know they in, their their governments and their central banks don't have the, the the funds to pump in in quite the same way that we're seeing in Europe and, and in the US. So, so yes, they are going to be. Um, now, you know, I spent a, lot, a long time for a long time. I lived in Turkey. That actually does have, you know, from the very early, pretty much from the early days of e-commerce, has has had a booming e-commerce market, um, and you know, and payment the, the payment interface was a challenge at the time for for a long time, um, primarily because you know because of these issues of of, you know, of getting money and charging and 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 a, and a kind of broad 
range of customers, both wealthy and, 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 you know, and plenty of poor customers, uh, you know, not necessarily having the methods that were needed to be to pay. So the, the, e-commerce, the e-commerce movement, as it, as it sort of developed in sort of the, the early 2000s, uh, you know, was, was obviously built around, around you know, cash on delivery and cash acceptance. So you know, I, I think there are ways, what I'm trying to say in a sort of long-winded way, is that there are, you know, there are, there are ways around... Uh, around this, if there's, a, if there's a leadership and a digital willingness, you know, a, mo- a you know, willingness to move collectively towards driving to draw driving e-commerce, you know, but the challenge, of course, as always with these things, you know, is that one requires, uh, you know, multiple stakeholders, and and a, you know, you, you can arguably do it with a leading supermarket or a leading retailer as the kind of uh, as the kind of beacon to to to, to get everybody marching to that in that direction uh, but ultimately what you really need is is the marketplace as a whole to sort of collectively come and say okay we you know this is an opportunity you know we need to, we understand that that you know, digital delivery is going to be the future uh, and and collectively we need to come to terms with that and, and understand how we're going to manage that um, with the range of customer groups that we have because obviously you know wealthier customers will you know will be Will quite likely have Apple Pay because they'll 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 travelling. Whereas there'll be plenty of plenty of poorer customers in markets that that you know may not even have probably don't even have a payment card. So you know I think I do think it's about this collective solution. But but ultimately, yeah, that's that's that, that's where that's where it, that's, it, it is an opportunity. But I do think it's got to be it's got to be uh, the solutions are going to have to be driven in, in concert. Thank you. Glenn, I hope that answered your question. Um, if you've got any, anything else, then uh, please feel free to, uh, to pose another point on, uh, on the chat. Um, so I, I know we said, at the, or I said at the beginning that, you know, perhaps now isn't the time for, for competing against each other. But, uh, you know, I, I think we probably need to learn some lessons. And obviously, I'm, I'm not going to mention any names here. And I think for the, for the rest of uh, this presentation as well, um, obviously, uh, Andres has, has kindly given his time. Um, but there, there, there's certain amounts of IP that, uh, you know, he, he wouldn't be sharing, um, which is quite understandable. Um, we, you know, we, 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 as I said, we all still need to uh, you know, put, put food on the table and uh, to look after our own interests. But, you know, I think just having, a, a again, a, a probably macro view on what some of the competitors are doing. Again, this is this is not necessarily focused on South Africa or Kenya or Nigeria. Um, this is very much a, a global outlook. Um, you know, we're, we're fortunate enough to uh, to be able to talk to, to people across the planet and uh, payments companies and, and, and what they're doing. And a few of these topics we're going to be talking about over the over the coming series. But, you know, ultimately, let's, let's look at these in order. So, you know, that your competitors are proactively contacting your merchants without a shadow of a doubt. And if you don't think they are, um, I think you're kidding yourself. Um, you know, they are actively speaking to your merchants. Um, they are building targeted marketing campaigns to your merchants. Um, they are understanding the pain points that uh, your merchants are feeling and uh, they're trying to capitalize on that, um, whether it be subtly or aggressively, we're certainly seeing a, 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 a big move there. Um, there is a bit of a price war. Uh, again, I'm, I'm not saying specifically here in, uh, on the continent, um, there are pockets. We've, I, you know, I, I subscribe to many, many, many newsletters and many payments companies and uh, I am being um, unpleasantly surprised, I think is probably the, uh, the correct term on, on uh, the approach that some are taking in terms of lowering price. Um, for me, I'm not sure that's the biggest uh, worry for a merchant at the moment. I don't think it's about saving a couple of points on a transaction fee. Um, I think it's more for them, we'll, we'll come on to in a minute, but you know, staying afloat. 
and seeing this thing through. Uh, Thank you for that com comment. I'm just trying to add here that this is not a recommendation list. Um, no, so no, 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 it's not a recommendation not encouraging no. any price wars here. Uh, <laughs> no, actually, no, no. The, the biggest problem for the merchants is that they aren't allowed to do business. Um, they'd be happy to pay even more if someone would allow them to ship their goods. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, we are, we're certainly not saying let's get into a price war here. Absolutely, <laughs> categorically not. <laughs> so, uh, no, no, uh, yeah, look, we, we you know, we, uh, yeah, okay, we, we'll come on to that a bit later on anyway. But uh, uh, I think one of the, the key things is improving the product suite, so improving the product offering. Um, looking at, you know, I, I think I, I look at my business and, uh, you know, the, the product we were offering or the services we were offering were very much geared towards companies that were scaling. So how do we help companies scale quicker? Uh, now, that's not the challenge now. The challenge has changed. Uh, the challenge now is very, very, very different. Um, I'm not going to go into this because this is not about me and my business, but um, we, we've had to change our offering. We've had to change our, our, um, our narrative in terms of how we go and talk to customers. So you know, it's important that, that, that fintechs and payment companies are doing the same. And, you know, believe it or not, uh, we are, uh, we, we, we're certainly being retained by a couple of organizations who are now looking at this time to build talent pools. So talent pools for the, for the future. Um, you know, they know how organizations are treating their staff during these times. Um, they know what's going on. They know what's being said. They know, um, you know, if there's been um, yeah, deductions in, 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 in remuneration, they know if people have... Uh, not being given sort of fair opportunities or whatever it may be. Um, there is a lot of talent mapping that's going on now. So you need to be conscious of that. Uh, you know, we, we've got obviously that episode coming up. I think it's the fifth one where we're talking about, you know, retaining talent. Um, if you don't start thinking about that now, um, you're going to be on the back foot when the market recovers. Because, uh, I, again, I'm not suggesting that the market's going to, uh, you know, turn on like a light switch and be back to normal, but not by any stretch of the imagination. But it will start to slowly recover. And, you know, if companies want to start getting ahead of the curve and perhaps have uh, you know, some, some, um, some capital to use, then the first thing you need to start doing is uh, you know, hiring your, your people and your best people. So just keep, keep an eye on that. Um, so, uh, as I said, this, this is kind of a workshop. Actually, before we go onto this slide, there's been a couple of questions. Um, one, one from, um, I think you're okay for me mentioning your name, Leanne, uh, from, from Leanne. Um, and again, we're probably going to cover this a bit later on, but I'll, I'll just sort of throw the question out there, which is, with many merchants closing and unable to move to digital channels, I'm wondering how best we support them. Um, Simon and Andres, we, we obviously had separate conversations on this, um, and we're, we're going to come on to that, I think, a bit later on. Um, so, Leanne, if, if, you, if you don't mind, we'll, we'll come back to that, because uh, that's a, a very yeah. pertinent question, um, and we'll, we'll come back. Perfect. So, uh, sorry, I went through a, a slide by mistake. There we go. So um, the, the crisis message matrix. So this is really about trying to get into the mindset of um, your business and your merchants. So let's talk about your business first. This is a little bit like a SWOT analysis, um, but again, just probably focusing on a little bit more on the emotive side rather than on the practical side um, of what a traditional SWOT analysis should look like. Um, I, I do this in one of my mastermind groups that I'm part of, and uh, it, it helped me massively in terms of getting my messaging and getting my mindset into the into the, into in, into the right position. So, you know, on the on the left hand box here on on danger, which is what what are the core risks? What what is keeping you up at night? Now that could be a drop in transaction volumes. It could be that your your team is now working from home. It could be any of these types of things that are really starting to stress you out or have impacted you in in, in your life. When we talk about impact, what does that actually mean? So you've got people that 
usually are working in your office, um, are very visible, and all of a sudden you've had to, you've had to, you've been forced to trust these people or your team working at home, completely remote. Um, chances are you've probably never been to the house. You have no idea what their setup is. Um, so that, that, that has an impact to you as a business owner or to you as a manager or as a, as a business leader. Um, you know, so have, think about some of the strategies. Um, Simon, you mentioned monday.com, which I think is a great platform. I've not used it myself, but you know, if you don't have the online or collaboration suites within your business, there's some really, really simple ways of doing this. Um, right. Trello is a great one. It's free. Um, you know, you can just track people's uh, as a group. You can track people's times. Um, I, I think I mentioned on, on, on social media a few months ago, we, we put in something called OKRs, which is um, um, uh, 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 objective key results. Sorry. It's, uh, it's one of the, the sort of Google and Facebook and all these sort of Silicon Valley uh, companies that, that have put this in. And um, it's changed our business. Uh, we've we've watered it down massively because um, it's quite complex when you get into it. But just from managing what we're doing as a team and we do it on a Google sheet. And again, it was free, didn't cost anything, but we're all now completely aligned. So that that's really helped us as a strategy. And again, shifting that mindset of, Oh my word! You know, everyone's at home. They're going to be sitting on their on their sofas or on their beds watching Netflix. Actually, that's far from the truth. Um, I can't talk for your businesses. I can't talk for people who, who work for you. But I, I know my team. You know, we, we were sending messages on on Sunday afternoon. Um, no one's got anything else to do, right? People are bored, so uh, <laughs> they tend to be working a lot a lot more and a lot harder. Um, that's certainly what I've seen. Um, so again, if, if you look at this matrix, and I'm in, again, I'm going to send this around. If you start to fill this in. But you look at transaction volumes, you look at, you know, Leanne's comments, which were, you know, how do we move uh, sort of bricks and mortar businesses onto digital channels? Um, you know, that's that's uh, a danger for, for some people who are dealing in on, the, on the physical merchant side. Um, and, and what sort of strategies can we start to adopt? And I think once you start building those out, you start thinking about what sort of mindset you're in and your merchants in and how you can just pivot that um, or, or influence that. I think you'll find that this is um, a, a quite a useful document. I've, I've certainly taken a lot from it. Um, Simon, address, again, I, I won't ask specifics, but um, is there anything you've done within your business to, uh, that, that you could share um, that has helped you manage the, um, the the change over the last few weeks obviously it's I think this thing has hit us like a like a truck um, you know no, no one had any time to plan any of, for any of this so we've all had to go into a massively reactive mode um, any words of wisdom or tips you could share well, well yeah. um, go ahead it, all right thanks um, it would be um, false pretense if I was to say now that immediately as soon as the news hit us, um, we went into the most structured approach um, about um, what needs to be done immediately in which field. Um, it was not always that um, structured because um, it was just um, a lot of things on all levels um, to be done. It was first and foremost also the fear. What is it, is it going to um, mean in terms of your family's health, um, yeah. your team's health? Um, who do you need to protect? What can you do? Um, and then it, it's starting to sink in that um, there's many, many um, different um, ways the business will be impacted and you need to get organized um, somehow. But you have to um, also 
um, very quickly um, reinvent some parts of the business. Um, and I'm also talking from a perspective of an online payment service provider um, that's in a more fortunate position than um, people who mainly are in physical business. Um, so the impact there is, is much more severe. Um, we were well prepared for sending um, our staff home. Um, and luckily, we also have the right set of managers on board now in our growing organization that um, can manage remote teams much better um, than we would have probably done just a, a year earlier. Um, so there was um, a lot of luck also in people stepping up. I'm proud of each um, member of the team who's actually um, rather working more, um, also tackling the crisis in a, in a positive spirit, as opposed to um, me being scared that um, people would just... Um, be, be sitting um, in front of Netflix and not do anything. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it goes ac across um, all um, segments and levels of, of the organization. Um, and just to pick, pick one more aspect here, that the clear communication to the team um, is making a difference, I think. Um, that's where... Um, it's also the manager's um, and executive's job to make sure that um, we're honest. Um, we can't pretend that we know everything. Um, we are also transparent about our fears um, without trying to make the team um, worried. Um, no one knows how long this um, crisis will take. Um, we had to react dependent on which businesses were allowed to still operate or not um, a few times within um, um, uh, just a few days. Um, so your team will be appreciative and will do what's necessary um, if you're honest to them and if you show them empathy um, and show them that you have your back, their backs. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, thanks, Andres. Um, I mean, I'd agree with all of that, certainly. I mean, I think um, you know we're a we're a sort of relatively new company in the kind of startup growth sales phase. But I think you know from our perspective, and I, and I think from a lot of you know a lot of companies within uh, within financial services or well, within fintech, particularly, you know, the situation is quite you know quite similar in, in that you know the first thing you've really got to do, and the first thing we did is say, well, okay, we 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 absolutely got to look at the you know the, the the, the company's financial position and, and understand where we are and then what that what that will allow us to do and what it won't, what it'll allow us not to do um, above and beyond that is then also to say well you know from a business development point of point point of things um, you know that's really not going to happen you know for a while at least not in the same way so how do we transition that business development uh, function or, or thinking either into something which is which is softer, so the relationship stuff, the brand and the marketing, uh, and or, and possibly it's both, you know, where are the, you know, to be agile enough to sort of pivot that, that function into something that looks at opportunities. Uh, um, and of course, if you're, in a if you're a technology company, you have a, arguably have 
an advantage over a more established, larger business, um, uh, you know, that you can respond, you, you know, you're leaner and you can be agile and you can respond to, to things in a, in, a, in a quicker fashion as they evolve. But I think your point, Andreas, about the transparency is absolutely key. I mean, you know, um, you know, there are lots of unknowns with this situation. We don't know, we don't know what it is really. We don't know how long it's going to go on for. It's going to affect different different regions. If you're in, you know, if you're in, if you're trading across regions, it's going to impact. It is impacting different regions and markets at different speeds. Um, and then we don't know, you know, what the kind of longer term net economic impact is going to be in terms of loss of jobs and, and, and downsizing or shrinking of markets. So, you know, it is about thinking, you know, it is about, you know, the, the management of your team uh, now remotely, uh, checking in with them. We think that's, that's worked well for us. Um, checking in with them you know, independently, uh, sort of one-to-ones, one and then also periodic groups and using things like zoom like we're on today where everybody's forced to switch on their screens and, and wave at the camera so that so that you know you can sort of build this collective um you know you can still manage a team that feels like a team uh, and you can motivate everybody accordingly and, and i think there's a there's a really nice thing out of it also is that if you don't if you do that in the right way that you do get these you know you do you, you do build something of your own you, know, you strengthen something of your own community um of the team that you that you have working with you or for you um and, and use that you know use that to to an advantage you know because you know transparency in leadership and in management you know it, it, it's it, it's something that, that your your team members will respond to you know they they're feeling the pain as much as you are and and you know collectively you can come up with ways to to, to beat beat the challenge as, as painful and as difficult as it might be yeah i couldn't, I couldn't agree more couldn't agree more. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Um, okay, um, I, I'd like to move on. I've just realised it's uh, sort of 15 minutes in and we're now getting to the crux of things. Um, so, uh, you know, the, the, the whole purpose about around this workshop is really looking at how we can increase transaction volumes. Um, and again, I, I'd love to say to you, everyone on this call, here, here's, the, here's the recipe. Um, you know, go, go put this in today and uh, hey, look, look, at your, look at your charts tomorrow and they'll be off the scale. Um, if, if I had that IP, I, I probably wouldn't be running a staffing business. I'd probably be one of your competitors. So uh, I, I don't have that just to, to, to sort of, um, uh, for, again, sort of position this. Um, but what, what we do have is is a number of suggestions and another, a number of talking points where we feel um, organizations such as yourselves um, really could make some impact and start to look at you know, your, uh, your transaction volumes and seeing whether you can get some sort of uh, recovery. So what, what, again, I'm not going to do this ind individually. Obviously we've, we've got sort of 40 odd people on the call today. Um, but I, I, it's a really good opportunity now, I think to, to do a SWOT analysis of your business. And again, probably, uh, uh, not on the entire business, but let's look at your, your transactions, you know, what, what the strength of those, let's have a look at some of the merchants you're working with. Um, have there been any of your mer merchants that have, the, that have spiked that you've seen a small spike in you obviously have all the data um at your disposal so let, let's use that to try and make some informed decisions where, where are the opportunities you know can any of your merchants um look at upselling cross-selling um uh, adding new products i mentioned obviously that there was that list of you know the, the top sort of 100 fastest uh, uh moving um items in the states you know i'm happy to share that with anyone if anyone's got any ideas about maybe helping their merchants diversify if they can get stock um and then obviously looking at the threats and the weaknesses but uh, I'm, I'm gonna as i said send this out to everyone afterwards and feel free to to uh, fill this in so let's look at uh, some of the options and we'll, we'll kind of go one, one, one by one. Um, 
and again, I, you know, there's only so much I, I, I you know, I'm going to ask Andreas here because I know he's doing some, some pretty uh, uh, interesting things within his business. But maybe we can talk maybe at a slightly higher level in terms of what, what some of these things are and uh, how they could impact your, your, your business. So there's the obvious one of, of, of pivoting. Right. So I say it's obvious. Um, it's probably obvious. I'm, I'm just, to just, just to interfere here. Sorry, <laughs> yeah. Darren. Sure. Just yeah, yeah, for yeah. Everyone listening, Peach Payments is not pivoting. No, 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 no. <laughs> you're not Andreas, you're not lowering your price either, are you? <laughs> um, not that I'd be aware of. <laughs> okay, good. So there, there is. Uh, sorry, that's that's absolutely true. But uh, there, there are, you know, there are options to pivot. Um, I'm not saying you know go from being a, a PSP to uh, I don't know a. Um, Mums and pup shop at all, but uh, you know, are, are there other areas within your business? And you know, if you are offering, um, you know, B two B, can you start offering consumer products? Um, if you're offering consumer, is there, is there a way of uh, opening that up and, and looking at pivoting into some of uh, some of more? <laughs> I'm hesitant on sort of giving too many suggestions on this one because obviously there's lots of different types of companies on on this call, and when we share this, I think there'll be a lot, lot of different types of fintechs and, and payments companies. So it's difficult to give any sort of specific ideas um, on pivoting because that's uh, that's obviously quite a big thing. Um, you can broaden the market, obviously. Um, you know, look at other merchants and uh, other sort of service providers there. Looking at a new product, um, I, I'm going to bring the guys in in a minute to, to sort of uh, explain some of these, but I just thought we get more on the screen. Um, explores new partnerships. We mentioned that right at the beginning. Um, you know, are there opportunities here to um, forge other relationships with partners um, that we can start doing that and, and, and driving that forward? Um, assisting merchants. That's a big thing. Okay. And we're, we're going to come on to that shortly because that, that I think is going to be one of the key here, um, you know, to, to drive sort of transactions let's focus on what you have rather than what you could have. Uh, I think it's getting the most out of your current customers and becoming an enabler. And this, this goes back to Leanne's point, um, a, a little bit earlier, her question, sorry, which was, you know, how do we, um, with many merchants closing unable to move from digital, I'm wondering how we best support them. Um, and again, Simon and uh, Andres and I, we, we, we had some, some thoughts around how you become an enabler for these businesses. And um, I, we mentioned this company earlier on, Yoko, uh, here, here in South Africa, who've done a great job. I, I, I subscribe to all of their content and, uh, you know, how they've enabled uh, very, very small businesses, micro businesses to, to you know, accept digital channels um, has been, you know, I think a phenomenal feat and a phenomenal uh, success here in, in South Africa. Um, but I, I, guys, um, Simon and Andreas, uh, do you want to pick one or two and, and we can talk around these, these ideas? Sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the, the real challenge now, of course, is that you know, if, you're, if you're used to dealing, you know, whatever your, whatever your business, if you're used to dealing, dealing with you know, physical contact or personal contact face-to-face, -face, you know, you've now got to think about that in a very different way. Um, so, you know, so therefore, the, for me, I think the question is, how do you convert that physical relationship into a digital one? Um, and I think you know, digital means different things to different people, but when it comes to digital sales um, or e-commerce or online commerce, you know, it's, it's, you know, smaller merchants have a, you know, have a much harder time of it perhaps than, than large companies for a, for a variety of reasons. But, you know, but the, you know, the, the challenge of, of getting your recomp, getting your physical sales business turned into a, into a virtual or an online one is, is big. So I think really what you, you know, for me, the key thing would be to sort of talk to your merchants, understand, you know, get to know them a little bit better about you know, what it is that they're doing, what it, what it is that they're selling and, and, and 
help them with that with that transition. You know, it's it's extra work possibly, um, but I think you know if you can if you could help them through this period now, that will pay dividends in the in in the future. Um, you know, above and beyond that, I mean, Darren, you've asked a question at the beginning, which is you know how to how to grow transactions. Well, you know, putting out content, doing things like taking part in webinars or or creating more awareness around, you know, what are the, what are the 10 you know, things like, what are the 10 top things that you need to be doing to, to drive digital sales or to, or, to, or to get trading online even, even sort of very, very early starter stuff. Um, you know, use, use this time to kind of build, you know, what, they, you, know, what, what you might call brand equity. Um, mm-hmm. Strengthen that relationship, but also put, put, something, put some content out there that's consultative, helpful, valuable is going to help people understand what it is that they need to be thinking of thinking of and, and if they need to pivot how they might go about it so it's about supporting the merchants and we'll, we'll come on to some other ideas about that um and, and andreas from, from your side because we, yeah, we spoke okay. about we, we spoke about enablement didn't we uh, on friday well we we spoke about enablement and and obviously for a lot of um companies with physical businesses trying to transact online an online payment service provider is a natural enabler in just to um, also consider how to um, make this journey as smooth and quick as possible right now timelines are everything um, is definitely something that um, um, we, we've done and considered and where we're trying to help uh, a completely new group of um, merchants um, who's considering using our services. The other aspect I'm I'm trying to pick here is the partnerships. Um, mm. There is um, a shift in priorities um, in immediately also with many partners. Um, so the most promising partnerships um, are all of a sudden moving very, very quickly. Um, and even people who you had not considered um, partnering with earlier, um, you might now bring into the equation um, just to see how to ex- explore and exploit synergies um, in the respective um, businesses. So we've um, seen very good um, movements in that respect. Um, and um, I'm, I'm very happy about how this is developing. Yeah, the partnership one is absolutely spot on. Absolutely, you know, the partners are partners are key in this. You know, it goes back again to Darren to your community thing. Um, you know, work work together with partners, identify new partners, and also, you know, Andreas, absolutely. You know, we're finding you know people that we were we were having you know trouble getting in touch with. You know, because they're at home, they're easy to get in touch with, and because of the situation, they're also much more willing to talk and eager to try and do something quickly that, that's responsive and is going to get things get things moving or or at least help them weather the storm. So yeah, I completely agree with that. And then uh, Simon, in terms of some of the partnerships now, obviously Findexable that that, that 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 is your your one of your businesses, right? In terms of getting all the data of all the different fintechs um, and, yeah. and putting them on on, on a platform, um, is is there opportunities for for people on this call to uh, come into that network and, and and to see what you've built in terms of potential Absolutely. partnerships? Great. Absolutely. Yeah, please. Yeah, please do. I mean, the uh, so Findexable has got the details of the partners that we currently have. Um, 
the index that we're building will go live, um, we think, towards the back end of April and things sort of start to sort of re return to kind of normal and people can focus on, uh, you know, focus on you know, post-pandemic. Um, um, but yeah, have a look at the, have a look at the, the partners. I mean, you know, we, we are certainly looking for, you know, fintech companies, payments, uh, banking, you, know, you name it, the full range of financial services, you know, particularly across Africa. Um, so, you know, come to us and give, you know, we want, we want to add as many fintech companies to the map, particularly African ones, uh, because we know that there are lots out there that we haven't, we haven't, uh, we haven't yet found. So yeah, come to us and, um, you know, we're more than happy to connect you with, with the regional partners that, that, that we have, uh, you know, we're, we're working with lots of different fintech associations globally, plus in Africa. So uh, some of those will have, will also have you know, useful connections and, and networks for you. So yeah, do get in touch. Great, thank you, thank you. Um, there, there was a question, uh, unfortunately Jason's just had to, to dive off, um, but his, his question to us was, is there an expectation belief that government will soon allow online retailers to start delivering all products as a way to stimulate the, co uh, the economy? Well, I hope so, because I'm out of beer, so I really hope they start lifting the alcohol ban here in South Africa. But uh, <laughs> I think we, we, we just kind of live in hope, really, don't we? Uh, uh, none, of us can, um, uh, none of us can second guess what's going to happen. Well, we don't know, yes, and everything would be second-guessing. Um, I, I clearly do not think that any economy um, can afford the full lockdown for a very long time. Mm. Um, I'm a bit jealous about a European environment where most of online retail is still allowed and apparently booming. Um, that's not what we are seeing in South Africa yet. Um, and... I guess in Kenya it's going to get even more more strict um, for, since since last night. Um, probably both both from a personal, but definitely from a business point of view, we're hoping that um, some more businesses will be allowed to operate step by step. Yeah, I, 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 I truly hope so as well. Um, uh, Simon, uh, Eric's just said um, the URL. I don't know if you've got the, the chat open, but um, er, Eric, yeah. I'll, I'll follow up with you later um, and I'll, I'll send it. Part of the email, I'll, I'll send you uh, the Findexable URL so you can, uh, you can have I'll put it. In the, um, I'll put it in the chat there. Please. Oh, okay. great. I think that's, I don't know if anyone can see that, but uh, that, that, that's fine. We'll, uh, we'll come back to that in, in, in a bit. Yeah. So um, th th there were some other things that, that I that I saw, um, and again, whether, whether this is relevant to uh, a lot of people here or, or some businesses, it's again probably more of a, a thought-provoking topic than anything else. But you know, if, if you're looking at ways to again slightly pivot or broaden um, the types of merchants, you know, the, uh, again, whether this is how long this is going to take to happen, um, certainly in, in parts of the continent, I don't know. Um, but you know, the, the government are doing relief plans. Um, uh, to various degrees, to individuals or to businesses, but you know, how do you support the, the distribution of those funds? Uh, that that could be one thing to look at. Uh, you know, if you have got a wallet solution, a mobile wallet solution, you know, what else can you add into that? Um, you know, can you add in health? Can you add in identity management? Um, can you add in other value-added services that perhaps will keep your merchants uh, uh, or consumers a little bit stickier um, for when things do start to recover? And I think these, these are these are sort of value-added services that, that that are key to start really thinking about now um i think we've mentioned analytics um you know as, as fintechs and, and payments companies you know you should be able to have the analytic analytics to be able to share 
not only with your merchants, but obviously internally to make some informed decisions. Um, you know, can you help your merchants make some cash flow forecasting? Can you help them budgeting? Um, all of these different value adds, and we're going to come on to quite a few more in a moment, um, are really going to be key. And, and, and really the last one is, and again, I, I don't really want to start talking about crypto um, during this call, but, uh, you know, not non-fit currencies, you know, is, is there, is, is now the time? Um, I saw there was a bit of a spike last night in, uh, uh, in Bitcoin and a couple of the other um, cryptocurrencies. So is that, is that a sign? And um, there's also a spike in gold as well. So I saw last night. So, um, uh, and, and the NASDAQ and, uh, uh, and the S&P. So maybe, maybe things aren't all too doom and gloom and uh, the recovery is a, a little bit nearer. But, you know, are, are these... Um, are, are any of these options you could look at or could you take these and um, uh, uh, elaborate on them for your businesses, what works for you in your country uh, or in the countries you operate in? Because uh, I think we need to start thinking you know, a, bit, a bit more, again, excuse the impression, but uh, outside of the box here. Um, there isn't just one solution. Um, uh, address, Simon, anything to add on any of these? And again, I, I don't want to harp on about uh, uh, cryptos, <laughs> not, not during this session anyway. Well, I mean, I would like to say, you know, you know we're a data company, um, or at least you know, building a data company, you know, and, and it seems to me with, with something that's as global as this, um, you know, and it doesn't really matter whether you're in a global business or you're in a re national or regional one, you know, there needs to be, you know, what I would like to see that coming out of this crisis and kind of at a, you know, at a, at a regional, if not a global level, is, is organizations, whether that's individual communities or regulators, um, or government bodies coming out and saying, you know, now is the time for open APIs in a much bigger way. Um, not to give, not to give uh, state secrets, you know, company secrets away, but to, you know, to be able to come up with new solutions that, that, can, that, can, that can help us address and adapt to challenges that are going to get thrown our way. I mean, I think if you think about, um, you know, the last 20 years, you know, we had a crisis in 2001 with the dot-com boom. Uh, in certainly in the US and, and, and Western markets. Uh, we had 2008, which, you know, which impacted Africa uh, as much, if not more heavily than, than, than other regions. And now, and now we've got this. So, you know, it's starting to look really like, you know, this, these sorts of um, global events are, are more characteristic of the system than they are anomalies or, or random occurrences. So I, I, I really do think that the opportunity, you know, at the kind of very high level, the opportunity coming out of this crisis is this push into a digital future. And for that to be really effective, I do think, you know, somehow we need to get into the habit of thinking that collaboratively across industry, across sector, you know, even ultimately sort of national and regional global lines, that data sharing is at the, is at the core of that because, you know, better data, stronger data sets will allow us to see what's happening and respond, you know, you know, almost in real time. Um, but at the moment, of course, we can't because our companies and our businesses and our societies are quite fragmented. Um, so, you know, I, I think it's, you know, I think, you know, I think there's an opportunity here, but I, I do think it requires, uh, once again, a kind of a collective movement to say, actually, you know, now is the time to start, you know, down this sort of data sharing route more, more holistically. Okay, good. Um, let, let's talk about retaining merchants now. I appreciate the time, and we're, we're starting to get a, a couple of people that obviously uh, uh, you know, had, to, had to drop off the call. So um, let, let's talk about retaining, because um, this is one of the fundamental things I think we, we all need to be doing. As I mentioned at the beginning, you know, there are uh, other payments companies, your competitors, that are going to be either trying to um, uh, capitalize on um, 
the opportunity or the situation we're in um, or you know the, the, the other side of this is you know merchants that are going out of business so how do we how do we try and help them from from, from resulting in that um, are there anything is there anything we can do as a, as a community as, a, as an industry um, to really try and prevent these these small merchants and, and to be fair most of them are I know obviously we've had the you know some some of the bigger companies uh, certainly here in South Africa and uh, again in the UK and uh, potentially in the US and we're going to see some some some, um, you know, some some pretty substantial companies that are going to be winding down but uh, you know if we look at it again from an African perspective I think it's important to to understand that the majority of, of, of merchants that use payments provide or payment systems are SMEs and probably even smaller than SMEs, you know, micro enterprises. You know, the impact that this is having on those, those people and those communities is dramatic. If, you know, again, looking at the people on this call, um, most people have got a lot of experience in, in the industry and probably worked for, you know, 20 plus years. Um, maybe slightly less in some respects, but, you know, we, we've, um, you know, probably got bank accounts and savings accounts and what have you. Um, whereas if we look at, the average merchant, um, certainly for, for some of the uh, companies here who provides payment solutions, they probably don't have headroom for more than a week or two, um, you know, living hand to mouth. So if we look at the slide that we had up, which was understanding, you know, yourself in terms of the stresses or um, the challenges you're facing at the moment, you know, you need to amplify this a hundred times to see what some of the merchants that, you know, who are your customers, what, what they're going through at the moment as well. Um, you know, this is, this is life and death for, for a lot of people. And again, not to put a negative on it, but uh, this, this is the real world. So is there anything we can do to help merchants get through this process or this, uh, this, this crisis? So I think the, f the first thing is to understand the challenges, as, as, as we said at the beginning uh, or earlier on, you know, I, saving a, a, a fraction of a percent or whatever it may be on a transaction fee is, is not their challenge. Their challenge is probably putting food on the table, keeping a roof over their head. Um, you know, how do we help them make some informed decisions uh, using data? Um, this, this for me was, was, was <laughs> again, after the conversations with the, with the chaps um, last week and again earlier on this week, you know, how, how can we actually do something? So we can understand the challenges, which is fine. Um, we can help them make some informed decisions. So again, we're empowering them to do something and are hoping that they're going to, to take that. But what definitive action can we or can you as a payments business or as a fintech, what can you do that you're in control of that can really have an impact on merchants? And we, we came up with this, um, which was promoting their service or their products to your network. And I just want to elaborate on that because for me, this was one of the, um, this is such, such an easy thing to implement. You can implement this in the next 10 minutes, quite frankly. You know, if you're merchants and you're, um, uh, uh, your, your customers are selling certain products and maybe they're getting a bit of traction on that. Um, if you've got 20 people, 50 people, 100 people, 500 people working in your organization, why can't every single one of those individuals share that comment or share that um, product or service or URL or landing page or whatever it may be across their social media, their post personal social media campaigns. Think about how you can amplify that without spending a penny. Um, think how thankful your merchant would be once they start seeing that their content has been or their content or their product has been reshared all of these times. I, you know, I, I know there's, there's a couple of companies that are represented on, on this call and um, you know, they, they, do a lot to support their merchants, uh, but I think they can do so much more. You know, they may get five or 10 likes and shares or whatever it may be uh, on 
uh, a new product for one of their merchants. But, you know, this company has 200 people they employ. Can you imagine if you had 200 people all doing that? And then it cascades, doesn't it? It, it, it spirals and it goes to more people. You get more views and you get more interaction. I think that's such a simple thing. If, if, if there's one thing we can take away from, from, from this is just go and implement this. It, it takes 10 minutes and... All it is is tagging people or sharing it or just putting a, a link on uh, an email just to your team or to a Slack channel, whatever it may be. Um, Simon Andres, I, address, I, I speak passionately about this because I think it's, 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 it's such low-hanging fruit. Um, do, do you have any views on this? Is this something you, you think you could do within your business? I, I know, Simon, you, you're, you're into marketing comms and probably uh, we're singing from the same hymn sheet. But uh, Andres, I'm keen to get your view on this as well. Well, we might not do that in a very formal way, um, but um, we've been trying to put our merchants into contact with each other and have some network effects there. And we'll yeah. certainly always try to informally um, also um, um, market our our customers' um, products. Um, we're less active um, making mass um, emails or, or ca campaigns um, on that. And, uh, and I might just check um, with our um, marketing people whether they can have some kind of um, structure, structured campaign. Um, what we have done, though, is um, that we've helped foster some partnerships with some, uh, between some of our existing merchants where um, they were... Um, on Tuesday out of business because government said their product would not be allowed. Um, they mm -hmm. pivoted um, and then had not enough resources to deliver um, their newly found um, um, product um, and found a match with another um, portfolio company of ours, um, which worked quite well. That's a brilliant story. And I obviously won't go into details or specifics, but uh, I, I think, and again, I, I just put all of these sort of ideas up here, which was on the, on the far left, building networks between your merchants, you know, connecting your merchants into an ecosystem, seeing whether, you know, they can collaborate, they can cross sell, they can complement each other. Um, like that, that, that uh, case study you just mentioned, um, I think that was ingenious. Um, you know, one company that's, you know, that literally went out of business in the matter of, 24 hours um, to them being so busy that they, they didn't have the resources to deliver. I mean, if, if that's not a, a positive story, um, I, don't, I don't know what is. So, you know, are, are there ways that, you know, you as a, uh, you as a payments company or a FinTech and you've got this broad, hopefully broad um, spectrum of merchants or uh, customers, whatever you want to call them, can you collaborate? Can you, can you put them together? What, what makes sense? Um, you've got that data there. Um, what, what, one other thing I wanted to talk about as well, Simon, sorry, sorry, Simon, I, I know you probably wanted to talk about that as well, sorry. Before you go on. No, no, at all, no, but I think, it, I think, you know, it's an opportunity to build a, there is an opportunity to, to you know, build a relationship, you know, the, um, you know, I just want to give, I'll give you one statistic that we came across, um, uh, you know, e-commerce in the US, you know, um, you know, the, the chance of a, re, a re, sorry, retailers in the US are something like something like eight times more likely to be trading online than 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 merchants in the Middle East. It was a, mm. a research we did recently. You know, so what that's what's that's telling you? I'm, in Africa, I'm sure it's it's the numbers possibly higher or similar, certainly similar in different depending on which part of the continent you're you're in. Um, but what that's what that tells you is you know a 
lot of us take digital economy for granted that it, it that exists um, and we can buy and do and transact and have video conferences online and all the rest of it. Um, but but there are lots and lots and lots of companies um, in, in all regions of the world that, that simply don't know where to start. So it's really about you know how can you use this time to kind of build a, a relationship with them, which is going to help them help them make this transition and make and make this leap. And and and, and as Andrea said, there are. There are big opportunities for for, for, for that to that to deliver results, you know, in in surprising, uh, in, in a surprisingly short amount of time. Um, and again, yeah, absolutely, you know, collaboration. You know, if you don't have the resources to focus on this on yourself, then club together with 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 some, you know, uh, with similar merchants in your in your location, even on your even on your street, and see see how you might be able to to to, to create something, you know, jointly. Um, mm. You know, and then look at the. You know, look at your local associations. You know, some of your fintech groups will have will also have resources um, that can help help these merchants. Um, you know, can run. You know, you could run you know, webinars or briefings. You know, free um, to attract people to to get them to understand what it is that can be done and how they can how they can respond to a very a very fluid environment. And and, and just on that, Simon, thank you. That was going to bring me on to my my, my, my next um, thought or musing, which was, uh, again, we had this discussion, uh, you know, how can you as a business help these other businesses, these merchants, you know, what, what, again, understanding what their challenges are. Now, some who uh, maybe SMEs will not have, uh, you know, internal support, they may not have a finance department, they may not have an HR department, they may not have a marketing department, um, you know, they, they may have retrenched, uh, and they may have shrunk to the point where, you know, there's just a couple of people now in the business. What help, what support, can you give them what have you got what resources do you have in your business that and i'm not saying you do one-to-one sort of uh um you know business planning and cash flow forecasting with every merchant you've got um but can you use a a, um, a, a platform like zoom or hangouts or something like that to bring your bring your merchants in have someone have a subject matter expert within your business say someone in finance who is talking about cash flow forecasting who's talking about budgeting who's talking about cost control um give them a bit more insight into you're not just a payments company you know you are a successful business um you know you you probably run you know uh, new a very high volume of transactions which uh, accounts for a lot of money um so they're, they're looking at you as um effectively probably their bank in some respects so what, what other services can you offer? Because they're not going to get this from, uh, from the big banks, um, even if they are, you know, banks. And, you know, I think some of the sort of smaller merchants may not be. Um, you know, can you set up webinars where you're talking about, um, again, in South Africa, the HR laws are, are, are very cumbersome. Um, but could your HR manager or HR director give some advice in terms of how to um, deal with this situation when it comes to retrenchments or it comes to right-sizing a business. Um, the same applies to finance and to marketing and to um, uh, any other area that you've got. You know, if, if and I, I know Andres, when we had this conversation, you said you know your your team's flat out and that that, that that's great. Um, but even if someone could spend one hour doing a webinar for half an hour um, just to help your merchants, because I think. You know, if you do offer this value, um, and I'm not saying you're going to monetize this at all, but um, I do think that people now, as Simon said, um, are, are kind of are at home. Um, they, they do have a bit more time. Um, you know, if they're not working, they're not in a shop, they're going to be at home. So they will, I think, uh, consume content a lot more um, readily than if we wind the clock back three months, say in January. 
Um, so now maybe is an opportunity to, to help them, um, to encourage them to plan. And again, going on to my, my last point on this, which was, you know, how to help them plan for post crisis. Um, yeah. And that, that's going to be really key. Um, uh, as we said at the beginning, when we were talking about your businesses, um, what, what you're doing now is going to have a direct impact on how you recover and how quickly you recover and uh, what kind of market share you can take. Uh, because if yeah. you don't do anything now and you rest on your laurels, you're going to be behind the curve. Yeah. I think, uh, Darren, I'd just add a small thing. Um, you know, Africa is the home to some tremendous innovation. You know, it is, it's, it, you know, it's, it's a continent that is used to, you know, to be <laughs> disparaging. It's a continent that is used to, to, be, to being in, being and surviving through very difficult challenges, you know, more difficult than, you know, collectively much, much more challenging than, than you know, most other regions have faced over, over the last 30, 40 years. Mm. Um, so, you know, you, you as a continent have got some incredible entrepreneurs. So look to them for inspiration. Um, you know, there are, there are some great examples of uh, e-commerce in, um, in Nigeria. There are some tremendous examples of um, obviously payment innovation in, in general, particularly you know the growth of mobile payments that you know, has come out of Africa, um, but there are also you know other innovations too in health, um, in you know in in, in general commerce. And so I uh, think you know look look around you for you know for inspiration of what what other um, you know what other industries are doing and what in, what 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 the what the what the continent's entrepreneurs are doing, and, and also you know pass that on to your to your merchants to give them a bit of hope that you know. You know, out of this tremendously difficult period, you know, really, really good business business ideas can form, uh, and gives them that kind of that kind of optimism. I think. Thank you, um, Andreas. Anything to add on on sort of taking merchants on, on on this slide? We're going to have to wrap up very very shortly. But uh, anything on your side, Andreas, on on, on this? Um, I, I think I made my point there earlier. Um, no, I'm fine for now. I'm open right. to questions, of course. Yes, there, there are a couple of questions that have come through. Um, uh, Ishmael, um, let's have a look. There's a couple here. Um, uh, have you considered uh, the customer engagement model? Partnering with merchants is one leg, um, but if customers are not taking along the journey, doesn't it become fruitless? Well, yes, customer engagement. Customer engagement from the point of view of the the, the customer of the merchant, I assume. I, I assume so, Ishmael. I assume that's what you uh, what you're referring to. So the uh, the uh, the customer, of the merchant. Yes. Yeah, I mean, yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah. The challenge of B two B services, of course, is that you you are removed from the end user or the end customer. But again, yeah. I think it's about talking to your merchants about how they can, you know, what it is that's going to work to engage their own their own customers. Um, you know, whether it's a whether it's a, a promotion or or you know an, an extended loyalty period or um, you know an offer for you know an offer for the next three months while things are particularly difficult you know yeah get your you know work with your merchants basically behind the scenes to get them to think creatively to talk to their to their customers about things that are going to work and and there is data out there I mean obviously it's patchy in places but you know there is data that can give you a kind of steer on what it is that's driving consumers or your customers at the moment and so, so look at that and then you know, work with your merchants directly to kind of do, deliver a messaging tactic that's going to mm. going to resonate a bit. Right. Um, I'm I'm not sure exactly I understand the question. Um, so if the customer is now from a payment company's point of view, um, the merchant, um, those that 
can operate um, or see a chance to um, be able to operate soon, um, there's no problem getting them engaged. Um, it's rather the opposite. Um, there is a need for action um, very quickly. Um, and the response times are also a lot shorter than um, in any other time um, in this industry. I've, I've seen it so far. Um, if it's about the merchants trying to be in innovative, reaching out to the consumers, um, maybe there's some potential there, um, but um, not not sure whether that's the question. No, I, I think uh, Ishmael said thank you. Um, he gave us uh, uh, some, some claps, uh, emojis. So I think uh, I think you were satisfied with saying th thank you very much. Um, th there's another question as well. Um, uh, unfortunately, Le Leanne um, from uh, Mama Money's dropped off the call because I think she would have been perfect to answer this question um, if, if we can't between the three of us. But what what happens to physical agent networks for the fintechs, banks, and MNOs? So that's an interesting one during lockdown. So what what happens there? They are, <laughs> they are very silent, obviously. <laughs> um, so actually, I don't know um, how Kenya, for example, was um, impacted before last night. So M-Pesa yeah. um, networks were um, still... The, those agent networks were um, still operating... Um, not as active as before because um, um, people were also um, encouraged to um, isolate and keep distance. Um, now I understand from last night on there is a complete lockdown um, and there I would expect that um, also in PESA agent networks um, might, might be more restricted in how they operate. Um, in South Africa, to some extent, um, agent networks are in supermarkets. Mm. Um, right now, it's hard for me to actually get food, um, convincing the security guard that I'm, I'm the next person who's allowed to get into the supermarket. Um, so I haven't seen the same cues in front of the money markets, for example. So I, I would expect that any physical network um, is um, seriously slowed down right now. Yeah, I think so. Um, I've, I've got, sorry, I've got some messages coming through on another channel, actually. I've just realized that I've got a load of WhatsApp messages here that I've not seen. Um, hang on a minute. Uh, that, that wasn't part of the script. Um, was the, the challenge these days, isn't it? Multiple channels. Yeah, okay. I think this is probably more of an observation than, than a question. But um, so physical agent network is an interesting one. Um, we have the largest base here in Tanzania um, for bill payments and for agency banking. There is a dip in Tanzania, but to an extent, we've had a larger shift on combining our merchant and agent target persona uh, in the base. I, I won't mention the company name there because uh, that, might, that may be confidential. But uh, I think that's an interesting observation from, from Tanzania. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Um, another one here as well. Um, Masterpass uh, QR and card payments. Um, you know, that it looks like that, that that's going to be something that uh, potentially taking a dip as well, uh, given it, it needs physical contact of some 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 degree. Um, oh, 
Um, oh, there's another question. I'm not sure we're going to be able to answer this one now. I think this is probably a little bit broad, which is, uh, is price a, fa a core factor in gateways? That's probably, uh, <laughs> that's probably a, a whole different webinar in itself, I think. But, yes. Um, yes. Um, <laughs> I, I, I take a very quick spin on it. Um, Please. So this consideration um, should be taken um, in connection with also the conversion rates. Um, and if one can take the right assumptions there and would then um, calculate the impact on the bottom line, I'm pretty sure that the conversion rate um, is much more decisive um, than the gateway transaction fees. There we go. You, you saved us a, a whole new webinar. Thank you, Andreas. <laughs> <laughs> um, great, th th thank you. There's just, a, just I suppose to wrap up, we've got, we've got three minutes left. Um, if anyone's got any more questions, please pose them now. Um, but I'm, I'm just going to run through the last sort of slide and a half, which was again a, a few notes and ideas. Um, you know, how can your employees, uh, employees amplify your merchants' products and services? What skills do you have in house that your merchants could benefit from? As, a, as I probably uh, quite loudly explained I'm very passionate about trying to you know use what you have internally um, before you start spending money on other bits and pieces um, how you address the, the potential in increase in risk profile um, again that, that, that's probably quite a, a long conversation on that one um, maybe we'll come back to that during one of the other sessions um, could you help your merchants deploy a loyalty and couponing apps um, to order services at discount today to be provided after the lockdown ends um, I, I know we had a couple of people from um, some loyalty schemes uh, joining this, this session today. So uh, maybe, maybe that's food for thought. Uh, again, potential partnership opportunities there. These, these companies, one or two in particular, um, do this as a business. That's what they, they produce, which is keeping in loyalty apps. Is there any way to, to integrate those? And, uh, you know, I, I, I suppose in Ghana, I think this has happened in Kenya as well. For, Please correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, mobile money providers have uh, been directed to waive fees on, on on transactions below sort of eighteen dollars or so, and I, I think that's probably helping, you know, sm smaller merchants and what um, what have you. Um, any any uh, any sort of summary, um, Simon, on on anything we've gone through? Um, th there isn't any more questions that have come through. Um, other than I think we're going to get quite a few LinkedIn requests from uh, from, from, from the looks of the chat, uh, which, which, which is a good thing. We're, we're obviously you know ha happy to connect um, and uh, answer any other questions you've got. Um, chaps, uh, anything else left? No, I'm mean, for me. I, you know, I think uh, I think as I said before, you know, there is an opportunity here, um, you, but you've got to, you, you've got to think sort of creatively uh, and jointly, and you've got to look at you've got to look at partners. You need to look at your commun communications, whether that's whether you really go wholeheartedly into uh, sort of formal communications via webinars and content, or, or you just use now as a, as a chance to kind of strengthen relationships and check in with your with your with your merchant base. Um, but you know, I think uh, you know that you, you've just got to you know uh, stay stay safe obviously firstly personally but but also you know stay positive and hold your nerves that you know you you can you can develop some really strong relationships out of out of times like these um and, and you and you may with a, with a bit of luck also create some new some new services and product lines right, yeah i would just say tell your merchants that you care Absolutely. And if yeah. you can help them, and if you can afford to help them, then please do. Absolutely. Brilliant. I, I couldn't have put that better myself. 
Um, thank you. That's a really nice way to, to, to end this uh, this workshop. Um, gentlemen, thank you. Thank you so much for your time. Um, I really do appreciate it, as, as I'm sure does the uh, uh, attendees here in the, in the community. Um, if anyone has got any questions, please do either find me an email um, or uh, reach out to us on LinkedIn. Um, I hope to see you for, for, for the, the follow-up uh, episodes here. Um, next one, this time next week, it's going to be slightly shorter. It's only going to be an hour. Um, and that's looking at you know, improving your product. So, um, gentlemen, thank you very much. Um, uh, everyone who's joined today, thank you. And uh, stay safe, stay well, and uh, we'll speak to you again soon. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Talking Success, connecting the global fintech community. Feel free to follow us on Instagram at Talent in the Cloud. And if you're interested in exec talent or you yourself are looking for a new exciting change in your career, check out our website, talentinthecloud.io.